We're in chapter 18, verse 19. And we saw in the verses right before this, um, the confrontation between Achav and Eliyahu. Uh, each accuses the other of being an Ocher Yisrael, a troubler of Israel. According to Achav, Elijah is the Ocher Yisrael. He's the troublemaker because he decreed this famine and drought upon the land of Israel. And Elijah says that Achav is the Ocher Yisrael. He says, you're the Ocher Yisrael because it's your sins that brought all this about in the first place. So now in verse 19, Elijah gives the following instructions to Achav. And he says like this, So now send and gather for me all of Israel to Mount Carmel. By the way, Mount Carmel, we know, is the north of Israel by Haifa. And gather to me as well 450 prophets of the Baal. And another 400 Asherah prophets who ate at Jezebel's table. So these Asherah prophets, we know the Asherah worship was back from the Canaanite times and obviously it's still prevalent in the days of Achav. It's that tree uh, worship and there's 400 of those prophets who sat at Jezebel's table, which means they're very, very close to the Malchut, like uh, Mephibosheth was uh, Ben Bayat would sit at King David's table. That means he's close to the king and to show the spiritual decay in the days of uh, Ahab, these Asherah prophets would sit at the table of the king and queen. And um, Achav, of course, it's interesting that he goes out and he does all this. He listens to Elijah, and the midst of that, David explains why. That Elijah is telling him that if you want me to bring the rain, well, you got to be worthy of it, you got to earn it. And you can only earn it by doing tshuva, by repenting, and therefore, I'm going to set up a situation here where the Jewish people are going to repent and believe in the real God by having a showdown with these 850 false prophets. So it says in verse Chaf, verse 20, And indeed, Achav sent among all the children of Israel, and he gathered the prophets to Mount Carmel. So we see in verse 20 that it wasn't a problem bringing the Jewish people there. It took no effort. They were eager to, to, uh, to see this contest. But it says, but he had to gather the prophets to Har Carmel because they weren't as willing to uh, show up, worrying about being exposed for their fraudulence. So he had to forcibly bring them there. That's what we see in verse 20. And in verse 21, So Eliyahu, he drew near to the people, and he said, And that's a famous phrase in the Bible. How long are you going to hop or skip on two opinions? So Eliyahu is telling them that you can't have both. How long are you going to, let's say the word in Hebrew, posech, from the word Pesach, like Passover, right, is the holiday of Pesach, which means to skip over. He skipped over the doorpost. So how long are you going to skip or vacillate on two different branches is the literal explanation, but we say two opinions, that the Jewish people apparently were in two different worlds. On one hand, they were practicing Judaism. They believed in God, but they also believed in the Baal a little bit too. You know, kind of like today, we we have our uh, 
believes in. We keep a kosher home, but maybe we go out to maybe not eat kosher in a Chinese restaurant or our Western values may not always jibe with our Torah values and we don't always decide you know, where the emiss is and we, in our um, influences by a foreign culture, also sometimes also vacillate between two values, between two different opinions. And that was the situation then as well. And then he continues in the same verse, Im Hashem Elohim, if God is the Lord, then go after Him. And if the Baal is the real thing, then go after Him. And the people did not say a word. So it's interesting that Elijah is suggesting or telling them that instead of being a hypocrite and being on both opinions, go all the way. If you, go, if you believe in Baal, then be 100% Baal. If you believe in Hashem, then be 100% for Hashem, but don't be both, because that's hypocritical. And if you play that game where you're on two different opinions and you vacillate that way, you, you can really never do tshuva, because you always think you're okay. And so therefore, uh, Eliyahu comes out and says, you know, be true, don't be a hypocrite. So it says in verse 22, for Eliyahu, well, um... So Eliyahu says, I have remained a prophet to the Lord by myself, Levadi, by myself. And the Baal prophets here are 450. That is, it's me against 450. So they have the advantage, you know, it's one against 450. Their fila is, is uh, have more koich to it. And yet, I'm all alone. Now, why would he say I'm alone? So Rabbi Kahana, when he mentioned this verse, he would say, he would ask the question, why would he say, Notati Navila Shem Levadi? I am left alone to all by myself. After all, there are a hundred prophets in the cave that Avadi is hiding. We saw that earlier in this chapter. Avadi is hiding a hundred prophets in the cave. So Rabbi Kahana would answer that a prophet in a cave isn't a prophet. The, the role of the prophet is to rebuke and to actively try to change the situation. And from that point of view, indeed Eliyahu of Anavi is alone here. And so it says in verse 23, he gives further instructions. Ah, before I go on, notice it says in verse 22, there's 450 prophets against Elijah. What happened to the 400 Asherah prophets? There should have been 850 prophets here, not 450. So apparently the 450 prophets who showed up were Baal prophets and they were forcibly brought by Ahav, as we said, because he was able to do that. But the Asherah prophets apparently owed their allegiance to Jezebel. So Jezebel kind of decided on them and she didn't let them go and Ahav couldn't bring them. So therefore we see only 450 showed up from the Baal side. And by the way, the Baal is probably a little bit worse than the Asherah because the Asherah worship, we saw that some, some commentators said it was sometimes just having trees to beautify an area, that the area of the Avodah they would plant trees there to beautify it up to the altar. They would plant these trees and so forth. So the real battle now is against the Baal prophets and that's the ones who show up at Har Carmel. So it says in verse 23, Eliyahu continues what we should do here. And let them give us two bulls. That means the authorities or Ahab and his men. They'll give us two bulls. And let them choose one bull. 
That means they're going to cut up the bull, put it on the etz, on the wood, but not to put fire on it, because after all, we'll see that he wants fire to come from the heavens. We don't want a human fire here. And they cut it up very similarly to what's outlined in the book of Vayikra, uh, the, the first chapter, where they cut up the ola, cut it up and put it on the wood. And Elijah's saying that we're each going to do this. I'm going to do it to one bull. You're going to do it to the other one. We're going to put it on the wood. We're not going to place a fire to it. That's the plan. So it says in verse 24, then what, it's going to, what are we going to do? Ukratem b'shem elokechem. And once you have this ox on the wood, you call out to your God, and I'll call out to the name of the Lord, to my God, and it will be that whoever God answers with fire, who Elohim? He's the real God. And all the people said, that's a good thing. So Eliyahu, again, it's going to have a showdown here and to prove once and for all who's the real God. It's the one whose bull is taken by a fire, who's devoured by a fire from the Shemayim. And that will decide once and for all where, uh, who, which God is God, the Baal or the God of Israel. Verse 25, And Elijah said to the prophets of the Baal, Choose for yourself the one bull, Vasuri Shona, and you take it first. That is, you can have first dibs. After all, you're the majority, right? As it says in the Torah, Rabim Lahatot, the majority we should choose first, let them choose first. And again, call out to your God and don't put fire there. So he's Elijah's giving them the first first dibs, the first uh, ox, they can choose it out of the two, so nobody thinks the thing is rigged. And Eliyahu took an ox that would be for his favor. And it says in verse 26, And they took the bull that was given to them. So the, the Midrash picks up with this, they took it. Instead of that they were, that the, they, uh, was given to them, that they had to take it forcibly, because it says in the uh, Midrash that the bull did not want to Go to them. He said, I don't want to go to those Baal worshippers. I want to be with Elijah. And Elijah told, told, told the ox, just as the name of, of the Lord uh, will be sanctified through the bull that is with me, he'll also be sanctified through you. So therefore the bull agreed. In any case, let's go on. Verse 26. So they took the bull he gave them. And they called to the Baal from morning to late afternoon and they said Habal Einenu answer us Baal Vein Kol and nobody answered there was no answer there was no voice by the way Kol also could be a noise so there was no there was no thunder there was no answer and then not only did they call out but it said they hopped on the altar that they made they danced around on the altar they skipped around on it, and they screamed out to their Baal all day from Boker to Tzarayim. Now, according to the Malbim and the Abarbanel, if you look at their commentary, they tell us that the Baal was the sun worship. Interesting, because uh, we see this Baal a lot 
in the Bible. It's like this generic idol worship. But according to those opinions that I mentioned, Malbim Arbabanel, it was the sun, because the sun, of course, gives off the heat and warms the world, and it's an agent of Hashem. And they looked at this agent as being the deity itself. It's really the means or the emsai. It's the middleman. And again, they prop that up as being the true God. And the uh, Barbanel explains because there's the moon and the sun. So the sun is the Baal. The moon is like the wife. And the, the sun is the husband. That means Baal in Hebrew. In any case, the Barbanel explains it there that it's sun worship. And therefore, they were hoping it, at midday, they have a best shot of this thing being pulled off, that somehow fire will come after all sun is hot. Maybe the thing will work. There's another uh, Midrash that they had, Chiel HaBeiteli, if you remember, the guy who built up Jericho, he's a good builder. Well, he built something where he was able to put himself inside the altar. And they were hoping that Chiel would light up the, uh, light up a fire from the altar when they gave the sign, but a snake bite him and, and, he, and he died. That's a Midrash. In any case, let's go on to verse 27. And now it's afternoon. And Eliah started to mock them. And he said to them, He says, Call out in a loud voice. Keep screaming. After all, he's God. And who? Hey, maybe he's uh, talking to somebody. He's having a sicha. He's maybe busy talking. Maybe he's uh, went off somewhere on a long journey. Or maybe he's um, maybe he's going to the bathroom. There's a lot of perushim what siach sig and derech are, but I'm giving the most um, uh, common uh, interpretations of these words that almost all of them say that either sig or derech are words for saying that maybe he went to the bathroom. So Eliyahu is really making fun of these uh, false prophets, and it's halacha. To do that, even though usually we're not into mocking and being a clown, it's usually against Torah. In this situation, it's a mitzvah. And so Eliyahu continues, Maybe he's sleeping and you want to you can wake him up. That is, scream louder. After all, you know, he might be sleeping and maybe you'll wake him up with your screams. Verse Kafchet, verse 28. So they're continuing, calling out with a loud voice, maybe hoping to wake up this Baal. To bring fire, and now when they they started to gash themselves, as was their custom, they would cut themselves up. By the way, that's the word in the Torah. The uh, when it says altit go to do the negative commandment, uh, where you're not allowed to put a tattoo on yourself. There's other uh, um, meanings of it go to do, but here it means they're cutting them, they're gashing themselves up, as was their custom. They had these little swords and lances, these little swords to and to blood gushed upon them. So this was their way of maybe evoking mercy or pity of the gods by having this blood uh, dripping from them and they're doing all these crazy ceremonies. And it says in verse 29, and it was in the afternoon now, it's, it's past. And they, it nabu, which means literally they prophesied, but we'll try to understand that word, that word better. Ad la until the time of the sacrifice of the evening offering. That means it's already evening time. 
And there's no voice. There's no answer. No one's listening because, of course, it's a false god. And there, now it's it's evening already. I mean, the sun is gone down, and they're they're done. But what's interesting is the word Vietnabu. So some uh, English translation is that they acted as if they were prophets, because it's the root of the word is to be a prophet. But we know they're not real prophets. Vietnabu is they made themselves a feigned prophecy. But a better uh, translation might be, and they went crazy. Ishtagea, that's the Tergum here, the Tergum Yonatan. They mishtagea, they acted like crazy people. Why? Why would that be the same as they prophesied? Because the fact is, the prophets, the real prophets, sometimes were called Meshugaim. We have that later on in the book of Kings where Yehu is anointed by a prophet and they say, Who is that Meshugana? So the prophets were on a certain level, so spiritual, that they were sometimes called Meshugah. So they say that the Yitnabu, the Baal prophets here, because they were acting like crazy people, so they have that root of Hitnabe from the word to prophesize. Pasuk Lamid, Pasuk 30, verse 30. And Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. That is, the people were apparently all watching the Baal uh, altar. What was going on over there, and their uh, their ceremonies, trying to bring the fire down, and uh, now evening time has come. Now it's Elijah's turn, and it's Mincha time, late late afternoon. He says, "Come near to me. Move from there and come where I am." And it says, "Va'yikshu kol amalav," and the people came near to him. And then it says, "Va'yirpa et amazbeach Hashem haharus." Then it says, "And he repaired the torn down altar." Of the Lord. And that's a weird verse, end of a verse, because what torn down altar of the Lord? Was there some torn down altar over there? We didn't know about that. So you could say simply, well, there might have been some old altar there that was ruined, maybe uh, by Yeravam or Achav, because it was uh, an altar of Hashem. And they ruined it, or maybe through, de- through time the thing was destroyed, it was old. What is this altar, Bechlal? So, very interesting Midrash says that we're talking about the altar that King Saul built. If you go back to Shmuel uh, 1, chapter 15, during the Amalek, uh, the Amalek uh, chapter, where Shaul was supposed to wipe out Amalek, and he didn't do it, he says he went to Carmel and built an altar. So that's the altar. And that's an old altar. From, and, and it makes sense because it says Carmel and that's where we are now. We're at Har Carmel. And what's the connection? Well, maybe that old altar, um, that old altar was uh, hanging out there and Eliyahu fixed it up. That could be the altar of Shaul. But there could be something deeper going on and the Rabbi Ghana says in his commentary that Eliyahu is fixing the altar. He's fixing or repairing that altar that was ruined why? What's the connection? Well, we said there are two opinions. That the Am Israel was standing on two different opinions. A little Baal, a little Judaism. And Shaul as well, when he sinned and did not wipe out Amalek, he was also having problems with that mitzvah. He was vacillating on two opinions. On one hand, he had the commandment of the prophet to wipe out Amalek. On the other hand, he had his own intellect. He was using his own 
personal value system and saying, well, you know, we not supposed to wipe everybody out. And he had mercy onto the cruel. He used his own, uh, own opinion. And he also was on two opinions. He was on posech al He was guilty of, um, of uh, skipping or, or hopping over on two different opinions. One, on one hand, the prophet's word. On one hand, his own, his own intellect. And that was the sin of Shaul when he didn't wipe out Amalek and he lost the kingdom on that. So here Eliyahu Navi is repairing the altar that Shaul built. He's going to fix it now. So we're going to see that the Jews are not going to stand on two opinions anymore. After this Ma'amad Har Kamel, after this showdown on Har Kamel, the Jews are going to be 100% with Hashem and they will no longer vacillate on two opinions. Let's see what happens next time.